father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 194. Today with Coach Scott Reed. Coach Reed is a head boys basketball coach at Mar Vista High School in Imperial Beach, California, just outside of San Diego. Command Sergeant Major retired Scott A. Reed entered the service on February 18, 1993. He served four combat tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan. His awards and decorations include the Legion of Merit Second Award, the Bronze Star Medal Third Award, the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, the Meritorious Service Medal Fifth Award, the Army Commendation Medal Seventh Award, and the Army Achievement Medal Fifth Award. Sergeant Major has served in all leadership positions from squad leader to drill sergeant, to drill sergeant leader, to first sergeant, to battalion and brigade command sergeant major, serving in the 2nd Infantry Division, the 82nd Airborne Division, and the 1st Cavalry Division. Sergeant major's individual accomplishments include the Army Training Center Drill Sergeant of the Year and the first soldier from the 7th Transportation Battalion to be inducted into the prestigious Sergeant Audie Murphy Club. Upon retiring from the military, Scott accepted a position as the deputy program manager for the San Diego Unified School District's Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps and served as a varsity assistant coach at Kearney High School in San Diego, California. The team went 14-13 and and was defeated in the CIF Division II playoffs in the second round. Scott accepted a job at Morse High School in San uh, Morse High School in San Diego, California, as a senior army instructor in the school's junior ROTC program. His program was 190 cadets when he arrived, but now has grown to over 320 cadets. Scott coached the Morse High Boys Freshman Basketball Program for two seasons with a 33 and 17 record. In 2019, Scott was hired at Mar Vista High School 
in Prairie Beach, California, as the head varsity basketball coach. He led the program to their first winning season in 10 years, going 19-11 and reaching the CIF semifinals. The program's cumulative GPA for all three levels was 3.6. Scott is married to Belinda, and they have five children, Alexis, 27, Cirrus, 24, Cameron, 21, Jada, 17, and Jameson, 15. Scott received his bachelor's degree from Excelsior College. Coaches, I think you're going to get a great perspective on what Coach Reed is doing uh, at Mar Vista on um, building his program. He had a great first season last year um, under some difficulty with the COVID situation. Um, and currently now continuing under the pandemic is what is he trying to do to continue the great success? Um, they haven't had success at Mar Vista until he arrived. So he's going to share with you his philosophy on how he's building his program. He's using a lot of his military leadership training to instill into uh, his players, into his program. And I think you're really going to get a lot of great information on what it takes to come in as a first-year coach and build a program. Um, In addition, he's going to talk about his system, how he changed the program from slow down to up-tempo. What are some of the things that he did to make that change? So I think you're really going to get a great perspective on building the program the Mariner way at Mar Vista. So here is Coach Scott Reed. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, how you doing, Coach? Good, good. Uh, hey, what a great honor, Coach. Uh, I appreciate it. I know you're a loyal listener to the podcast, and I'm so excited to have you on. Hey, brother. I'm, I'm glad to be on talking about basketball. I mean, it's it's been tough not having basketball in our life. Thank goodness tomorrow's coming around soon. Uh, I know. I know. I'm so excited about the NBA, and I, I love baseball, and I know you're a Padre fan. I I, I saw and uh, but I'm excited about the up again. Yeah, me me too. I mean, uh, it's been a long uh, time since March 13th. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, hey, tell us a little. Tell us a little bit about you. I know you have had a lot of experiences in life, and um, particularly in your youth and so forth, and you being a military officer. 
kind of tell us uh, kind of growing up with the game and and uh, how that that kind of led you to doing what you're doing now. Well, I, I was, you know, I was when I was born, you know, it was just me and my mom, and my sister, and then luckily, at about age nine, my mom met my dad who who adopted me, and um, he was a basketball coach. Man, I just fell in love with the game, and I mean, you're asking for a picture of me. Um, coaching i don't know if i've ever had a picture coaching but i probably have a million of me sitting on a bench as a nine or a ten year old um <laughs> you know or um but just being around him being around the gym and seeing how you know he treated his players and and the relationship that, that he still has to him now you know in his 70s you know they, they still call and check on him and um you know i think that's what what made me fall in love with the game and um, you know, I thought I was going to be a college coach because, you know, when I first went went to college, I, I was playing some baseball and I'd gotten really close um, with the uh, associate head coach there at Western Kentucky, Hank Harris. And, man, we had so many discussions and he told me, hey, you, you um, whenever you graduate, we'd love to have you here as a graduate assistant. And then um, life took a turn and, and I joined the, the military and you know, 24 years later, I was still in, and then I, I finally was able to retire. Um, you know, Vasco had just been calling me, but I, I would say that, that the military kind of gave me a Ph.D. in leadership, at least from, from my perspective. And I was very blessed to serve with, you know, some of the, the best officers and non-commissioned officers that, that our Army has at, at the highest level. So um, I think those 24 years really prepared me for for. You know, not just being a, a, a coach, but, but being a head coach and, and kind of running a whole program and, and establishing a brand and, and, you know, how we want to be seen and, and, and how we want to play and the organization uh, factor of it. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I know I spoke with another coach. I don't know if you ever heard. spoke with a guy, a coach named James Deacon out of Arizona who runs a really a big-time program there. I uh, was also in the military. Just, he said that really got the leadership principles under fire really taught him to kind of stand up for himself in the military. And that really helped him as a coach because people don't realize the pressure to be a head coach. You better have your principles, your philosophy in order. So what did you learn from the military that helped that's going to help you now? Well, I mean, man, I was so blessed. I, I can remember in 2010, um, I was in Iraq, and, and my assignment with, with my, my battle buddy was General Gus Perna, who's now leading Operation Warp Speed, and he's a four-star now. But to be around a guy like that and see how he treated, you know, the lowest-ranked person in the unit to the highest-ranked person in the unit. Um, and and then I was I was blessed to be a drill sergeant, so you, you see how um, – <laughs> how how you can make change in, in, in people and, and inculcate them into, you know, a, a different, you know, way of thinking. Um, but I mean, my time in the military, I mean, c combat was, was, I mean, you know, it's one of those things that, that you probably wouldn't trade it for anything, but also, you know, some of the worst times and, and some of the best times of your life. And, you know, I don't know if I was cursed or what, but I spent five tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's a long time away from your family and your, your friends. Um, but I can tell you, you know, now 
you know, when I left the military, the one thing that, that, that I was worried about was leaving the camaraderie, but, you know, being able to coach, um, man, it, it, it brings back those same feelings of, of being part of something bigger than yourself and, and, you know, developing a plan and seeing people grow and, um, man, it's been exciting, you know, the first year, I mean, COVID's really, really, um, you know, we started two freshmen and two sophomores last year. Uh, so, man, I thought we were, we were going to make a huge jump this year, but um, we haven't been able to be in the gym since, since uh, March. So I, I don't know how it is. I think you're in, you're, are you in Texas or Georgia coach? I, I'm in Georgia. Yes, sir. I, I'm in Georgia. And um, man, we're having all sorts of issues out here, coach. Um, <clears throat> now I've been, you know, we've been practicing with my team. And so if you're with your team, uh, they allow you to practice with basketballs and so forth, but we cannot compete against other schools. Um, but right now, man, the, the, the rate's going up. We, we've had two football programs right now. Uh, they've been quarantined. They're right around the corner from us. So, I mean, things are happening right now, but, hey, you got to deal with it. you able to do uh, anything currently, so – um, and what we've even been, you know, forbidden to do anything. If like in the offseason in California, you can have club ball, uh, where, where you can, you know, use your own facilities for, for club activities. Um, and we, we, we can't even go as far as going to a local park and, 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 you know, practicing with our guys. So, uh, it's definitely been different. Somebody who's, you know, a gym rat, it's, it's been pretty tough on me. So, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, just tell me if the audio, can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's, it was cutting in a little bit in and out, but it, it's back good now. Okay, great, great. Just tell me if it's not. Hey, you're a California man. You're coming from California, man, so hopefully we can connect, uh, you know, with the audio a little better. Um, tell me about uh, the great California coaches. I think I've interviewed – Scott, I think about six or seven of you guys, man, I love, I'm from California. I'm a California boy from San Jose. Um, and there's some great basketball in California. Uh, I mostly have been interviewing girls coaches and there's some great girls programs. Talk about the boys programs in California. Well, you, you're talking about girls programs. I mean, the, the, the young lady at, at La Jolla country day, man, she has built something incredible just right down the road from us. But j just in my league, um, T Terry Tucker does an awesome job over at San Ysidro and they beat on beat up on us pretty bad this past year. And he has shucks. I think he has coming back this year, Mikey Williams and Bryce Griggs and, and Jerry and Dixon. So they're going to be really good. And he does, he does a really good job of highlighting his kids and, and you know, taking the focus away from himself. And then um, over at St. Augustine's and Mike Hopped has done an incredible job. I mean, we have a, San Diego historically has not uh, been as strong as, as, you know, the LA area. Um, so we've had a tough time, you know, once we get to the state finals or semifinals doing well, but um, I mean, I, I grew up in Kentucky, so, um, you know, it's, it's a little different out here than it is in, in Kentucky. Cause you know, there's so many things out here in California to do where it's a one track mind. Um, you know, Kentucky with horses, whiskey, and 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 basketball. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, we got some great coaches who who love the game. I mean, 
the the one thing that 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 was a little different for me leaving the the military because I'd been away from it for you know twenty some plus years is that you know basketball if you want to have good program it's year round where you know it wasn't like that twenty some years ago or at least you know in in Kentucky it wasn't um, so that's been a bit been a big change um, but we we definitely have some some excellent basketball coaches out here in San Diego to do a phenomenal job now in yeah yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead Scott. now are, are, are you in the Atlanta area or I am uh matter of fact I'm about 90 miles from Atlanta, I'm between Atlanta and Augusta Georgia so I'm right in the middle oh I, I know that area well I think I actually went to jump school at, at Fort Benning which is I guess past, yes. past Atlanta, but I, I know the area between Augusta and Atlanta pretty well. Yeah, right off of I twenty. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I when I was I was actually yeah. a, a drill instructor there at Fort Jackson, which is, you know, about half the way from you know, North Fort Bragg to um to, to where you are at. Yes, I, I'm in Greensboro, Georgia, um, <clears throat> which is uh, just a beautiful area. We're on Lake Oconee. Uh, which is kind of a growing area out here. Wow. I, I, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's cool that you lived in. That's one thing about the military, right, Coach? Um, you got to move around a little bit. Have those experiences kind of made a difference in your life? Absolutely. I, I think that um, – well, I will say that. I mean, my parents really instilled, um, you know – treating people, you know, for their character, you know, not, um, and, and who they really are, but, you know, in the military, you, you really, I mean, it's like a melting pot. So you have people from all walks of life. I mean, that there is a slogan. I think it's, you know, um, go to the army or go to jail. So, um, you know, you, 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 <laughs> you meet people from all different walks of life that, that, um, and, and you have to learn, especially as being a leader, is how do you motivate you know that that specific person and and you know growing up with basketball i mean i i don't know your age kevin but i mean me growing up i mean probably the, at that time the most well-known college basketball coach was bobby knight and and you know and even as a as a young nco in the army i mean you watch before you went in you watch war movies and you see you know these drill instructors screaming and hollering and at people and you know that's not really the way way to lead and you know i think if you you know, lead from the inside out and um, you'll get the best out of people then instead of being, you know, so coercive, um, you, you know, in your leadership style. I love how, because I, I was going to ask you, uh, what is your leadership style and so forth? And I know you, uh, you have your uh, four points of your philosophy. I really want you to discuss. Um, and I really, I really love how you have a, philosophy of your program not all coaches have that you believe in certain intangible things that you're trying to teach talk about your your core philosophy there so uh, you know i i i heard you know i'm a huge dabble swing fan and i, I tell you with podcasts now you can almost get a phd in coaching it, it seems like <laughs> sure. uh, you know listen to For people sure. but you know that, that that's served their heart not their talent i mean um in our program we you know for example we had a zoom call uh, last week and, and my three managers um you know texted me and said hey coach do, do you actually want us on the on the call i'm like absolutely you're, you're just as important as as you know any other player in the program 
And I I think if, if, you know, I kind of equate our program to almost like, like, like a church. And, you know, when you, when you, and and there's so many people that, that makes a church run well, you know, there's that person who's, who's getting up early in the morning to get the church van, you know, checking the fluids, make sure it's safe. And they're going to pick up people. And then, you know, when you arrive at the church, there's, there's an usher, you know, welcome you and, 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 making you feel at home and then you have the, the praise and worship leaders and then you have your, your, you know, somebody giving prayer and then the pastor and, and then, you know, there's not, nobody in the church is more important than, than anybody else. If that makes sense is, you know, with the exception of who, who you're actually worshiping at your service, depending on your, you know, r- religious beliefs, but you know, your basketball program, in my opinion, just like in, in the military in an army unit, you know, you have to make everybody feel that, that they are, so important to the task that you're trying to achieve and and that can be from the stat keeper to who's keeping the book or who's keeping the clock or if you're a role player i mean you making a difference in practice and and um and and then you know also giving your your assistants you know clearly defined roles that 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 you know that they're responsible for And, and one thing i think that that you know serving as a as a sergeant major in the army is that you know, in in my brigade and battalions, I mean, we had, you know, somewhere between five and 15 first sergeants that were leading, you know, 150, 100 to 150 people, you know, in their units. And, you know, you have to, to give them a vision and a task, and then you have to let them run with it. And, you know, that's why I think I've, I've really been blessed is, is that, you know, being be able to create a vision for the program, and, and, you know, and that's just part of it. I mean, the most important thing is living that, that, that vision, you know, every single day and, you know, of, of, of having certain expectations and, and holding people, you know, to those expectations. And I, I you know, I'm, our program, we don't have, you know, we, truly we don't have any rules. And I know that may sound silly and that, that doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable, but, um, you know, when you establish just certain expectations of people, you know that they'll they'll either live to those expectations or or you hold them accountable if, if that makes sense. And and with our program, you know, the only things that that we we pretty much have is is you know don't be late. Even though as a high school coach, you know, it, it's probably not the, the if it's a not a school day, um, it's probably the parent that has to get the kid you know to practice. So. Um, you know, second thing is, you know, don't, don't, don't bad mouth in any of your teammates and then just having an, have an attitude to, to, to want to be great, you know, today, you know, right where your feet are at, if, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, you know, just from talking with all these great coaches and, um, I mean, you, you are saying some very similar traits that these coaches are all, and I think you have to do that. What I love what you said was, is, is you have to live your philosophy every day. Uh, You can have it on the board, right, Scott, but you better live it and you better fight for it every day. Well, you know, even from the standpoint of, you know, as coaches, we expect our players Mm -hmm. to, you know, be respectful of officials, respect authority, and, you know, and then we're over there during the game acting like, you know, a crazy person. You know, that, that that's not role modeling the expectation we have of our kids. And I'm not saying there's not a time and place for us to, you know, 
get frustrated over a car or whatnot. But I mean, even from the point like, I mean, you know, when I first started coaching, I, I was at an inner city school here in, in, in San Diego. And, you know, we, the programs I've been part of, I mean, we didn't allow cursing in the gym and, you know, being a teacher, you know, I don't allow it in my classroom. Um, so wh- why would the classroom be different in my ROTC program than in my basketball program if I'm a representative, you know, of my principal and, and, and that they've entrusted me, you know, with, with leading the program. Um, but, but that's something you got to live up to. I mean, you can't, you know, I- expect others to, to follow you if you aren't living those, you know, values on a daily basis and conducting yourself appropriately. Yeah, uh, leadership starts at the top. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it really does. I mean, you better exhibit those those traits. Hey, what are you doing off the court? I know um, y'all did uh, an activity, uh, you know, because of the, the Black Lives Matter and the, the George Floyd. Uh, somebody said the other day, the, Blacks, the Black Lives Matters is not a movement. It's a lifestyle. I like that. I mean, I, I think it's really important. And we have to live and treat each other uh, not based on the color of their skin. We got to start treating people better, don't we? You know, it, it's funny you said that. And I, I think it was LeBron James who 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 said that in, in an interview. But, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I, I, me personally, and I'll just speak to my own um, beliefs, is that, you know, I, I, you know, I hope I'm going to heaven. And, and you know, I'm – I'm a Christian, so I don't understand how being a Christian, you can't treat everyone with the same, you know, dignity and respect. And 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 then also have an empathy. I mean, I, I have I've, we have me and my wife have five mixed children. Um, so there's certain things that, you know, this has kind of woke me up to the point of of. You know, my kids go through things that that I haven't ever went through, and um, the dialogue that's opened up and stuff I didn't even know that that's happened. You know, t- to them, um, I, I don't understand why. I mean, it it, it really really concerns me. I don't mean to get political, but it really concerns me just the hate that that is going on in in our country, and you know, I. It's hard for me to to being a Christian to to see how somebody could could hate somebody for their skin color and and have the expectation that one day they'll go to heaven. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think um, this time, along with the COVID, I think I think somebody says the. Uh, the racism and so forth that that um, that's going on in society is probably a worse virus than the COVID. Um, so we got two viruses going on. We have to deal with, and we just have to become better people. Correct? I, I, absolutely. I mean, I I, I can remember my, like my first couple months at at my school at Morris, and one of the, one of the kids um, was was doing something wrong, and I said, "Hey, come here, young man," and he he started, you know, like running the other direction. And so when I finally saw him on campus, I said, what, why did you, he said, man, you're a white dude. I don't trust you guys. Um, y- you know, why would I? 
and and you man it, it just you're like wow i mean how do i show this person that there's something different out there because you know man it, it, you're exactly right i i think that the the problem with racism is is you know it's something that's been going on for years and years and years we've been battling covid for four months so i, I definitely think that that you're you're definitely right when you say that that um Racism is definitely a worse virus than, than COVID. Yeah, and, and it sounds like to me, right, and, and, you know, I have African-American kids and white kids as well, so, you know, we all have to deal with it. Um, I just try to treat each kid as an individual based on, you know, really, really their behavior, their character, and then we try to teach them the right way. That's all we can do, right, Scott? Um, and let's talk about that. Talk about your first meeting you had with your team because that first meeting, right, coach, is really important because you establish who you are in your program right then. Yeah, I mean, we at at Mar Vista, I mean, we had fantastic kids, but the, the and, and don't get me wrong, there, there was good coaches prior to me. It's not like that I've got the market cornered on being a good coach, but for for so long basketball had been just unimportant i mean i can remember you know being told if it, if it doesn't have water involved in it um it's not important here and <laughs> yeah and, and and to change that 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 culture to i mean i can remember the first day of open gym we had six and then you know we had an open gym uh, right before covid hit and we had 38 and, you know, that's a huge change in a nine-month period of time. And, and I mean, with, with our first meeting, it, it was, it was you know, saying we're not looking in the rearview mirror. And um, we're looking forward. And, you know, we're going to be really good with, with what we have in here. And we're going to work hard on it every day and, and – you know, setting out those parameters and believing in them. I, I mean, now, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's bumps in the road. I mean, I had a couple, you know, seniors that were great kids, but they were like, coach, we need to run zone. And, and um, coach, we need to, you know, slow down some, you know, our, and I'm like, no, that's not, that's not who we are. We're, we're going to learn how to play, you know, man-to-man defense. And we're going to learn to be, you know, to, to, you know, I'm stopping my guy and, you know, kids don't play one-on-one as much as probably as you and I did growing up. So, um, you know, being able to, 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 to stop someone and, and, um, it, it was challenging. I can remember last summer we were playing, you know, basically club ball and we, we had lost like 19 in a row, um, our first 19 games. And I told my wife, I don't know what I've, I've gotten myself into, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, we just kept on, you know, chopping wood and, kept on showing up every day and 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 then you know in in our area because you know basketball hadn't been a priority a lot of our really good local athletes would would you know we we have i mean you can go to a different school in california i mean you you don't have to stay within your little small area if you don't want to and um you know we were really blessed that that the, the word got out of how much we you know loved our own kids and recruiting our own kids the ones at our high school and you know we got you know a couple transfers that they came back you know they went to middle school in in our area but came back to high school which was huge for us 
um, you know, of starting to, to, to change, you know, the, the culture. Yeah. It's funny how that is. It's funny how the word gets out, right, Scott? Um, and, you know, it's funny, people can read people really well and they can read that the players can read a new coach coming in, whether you're serious, whether you have a mindset, whether you connect with them, um, talk about kind of building your program. You, um, tell us, tell us about the team that you had and the team you have coming back. Give us a scatter report. Cause we don't know that much about that. So, uh, the year before I got there, um, we, we averaged, I think, 40.4 points. And then this past year, we, we increased from 40.4 to, I think, like 67.3, which is a huge jump, you know, 27 sure. points a game in a, in a high school basketball game. Um, you know, we, we, um, we, we had a, a freshman come in, um, a little guard, Josiah Scott, who's, who's getting some interest, uh, you know, already, you know, some, some colleges are, you know, asking some questions about him. Um, the first day he got in the gym, he was about five three, weighed about ninety pounds. Um, we could tell he was really good because he was ambidextrous, could really handle the ball. Um, when we were playing in the summer, you know, initially I thought, well, he'll probably play JV. Well, I mean, he kept on getting better and better and better, and you know, and was always working on his game. You know, by the end of the year, you know, he averaged fourteen and a half points a game, uh, four rebounds, four assists. You know. 2.5 steals and you're playing against competition. I mean, you know, he's being guarded by Mikey Williams and Jerry Dixon. You know, you, you have to get better. And then we had another freshman guard um, um, who we got, he was, he was a local kid, but he would, he started high school at, at Montgomery, which is a neighboring school, but decided to transfer back um, to us. Who's, you know, really good ball player, shoots the ball really well. He averaged about 11 a game uh, for us. And then we, we got a, a you know, a six five six six post kid um, who was a sophomore. And I, I really believe if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, we'd had a really good chance to win our, our CIF. We, he, he only got to play 17 games for us, and he gave us size. But, um, I mean, he and he's a 4.0 student. It's a great leader. Even as a sophomore, you know, when he spoke, um, you know, they, they, they definitely, definitely bought in, but we, we want to play, um, play fast. Um, we've got a swing man coming back. It's about six, two, six, three, who ever double figures for us. Who's probably our best athlete in the program, uh, Cortland camper. And we, we, we want to, we, we, we press from the moment the, uh, the ball's tipped. We're going to attempt this year, um, to even, attempt to press even off, off misses. Um, we've got good athletes, um, a lot of quickness. It, it's just changing the philosophy that they, they'd ran, you know, a two, three, you know, zone for, for all of their high school and, and kind of changing that mindset to being an attack, attack, attack. Cause, you know, I really believe your, your offense has to match, you know, your defense. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard to, and just in my opinion, to run, you know, for example, pack line on defense, but then you want to push the ball on offense. So we, we want to get out and challenge people and, and um, you know, push the ball constantly. You know, I, I was listening to Mike Neighbors that, um, a few – it's probably about six months ago, and, and he really opened my eyes that, you know, transition defense. I mean, that's where 40 – I think he said 42% of defense is in transition defense. So – 
um, we really try try to uh, are pushing the basketball that that our us pushing the ball is part of our offense, and then um, if, if 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 that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I'm a big fan of Mike Neighbors. I love the guy. I've stolen so many Neighbors drills, man. It's unbelievable. I'm definitely a thief. Um, hey, talk about um, – kind of give us a breakdown of your system, like in rules. Like, give me – do you have some basic concepts, like in your defensive system, um, that what you're trying to do, like no middle, uh, or what, what, what are you trying to do in your defensive system to try to explain it and give some details of it? So we, we run basically the same thing that, that University of South Carolina runs, which is, you know, up the line, um, off the line. Mm-hmm. And so and we want to push um, – I mean, we attempt to, to push sideline to where, um, you, you know, we, we have defenders on that side plus help um, to, to where we have an advantage. And, and I guess and, – and then by us – I mean, us, we we we're, we're, we got some depth. So by us, you know, being able to press, we have shot clock here in in California. I'm not sure if if you guys have it in Georgia, but you know, our, our press is not just for us to, you know, to to create steals. It's to create the tempo of the game, and then also create defensively. And instead of a, a team having a you know 32 second shot clock window, you know, by taking just two or three seconds to get across half court. We want them to have, you know, a 26 or 27 um, second shot clock to where um, they're having to be, be, be sped up. Um, we um, – this past year, we didn't switch at all based on our size because, you know, our little point guard was about 5'5 five, five at that point, but he's up to about 5'10", five, 5'11 five, now, you know, coming back as a sophomore. So we didn't switch, which um, I think this year, uh, based on us being, you know – Five ten, five eleven, six two, six one, and and six six, and we're you know we have some some decent size that I actually think we will be able to switch. And then our five, um, our big kid, you know, he can guard one through five, which is huge. Um, so I, I, I we're gonna switch this year, and then blitz, you know, any pick and roll, you know, I I, I think at different levels, you know the skill level gets, you know, better and better and better. But in high school basketball, if you can really just be a pest and, and make that other person uncomfortable, you know, that, that changes, you know, the, the, the whole game. So we really want to pressure the basketball. Um, um, on on ball side, we want to get out, get in the passing lanes. But on the help side, um, you know, we, we kind of use um, – we want to be – we call it that two nine spot, you know, which is we're in the in the lane. I think the NBA has what a three second rule, so we want that guy opposite, you know, at the nail or in that two nine spot right there um, mm-hmm. in the middle lane, prepared to help. Now, um, it, it didn't work so good. If you saw some of our our <laughs> our games last year, I mean, we gave a hundred points up to Sweetwater, and we gave, you know, I think ninety points up to up to San San Ysidro at some point in the year, but. And we were young and, and getting better, but by the end of the year, um, we, we had gotten pretty good defensively. And, and you know, that's to me the biggest challenge in coaching high school basketball is is the the level intensity you have to have on the defensive end of the court because you know kids are excited about playing offense, but on defense, um, especially really really playing 
you know, good, tough man-to-man defense. And, you know, I guess different coaches do different things. We, we, we square up, you know, the ball where some people, you know, get on one shoulder and push to the weekend. Um, in my first couple years of coaching, I, I, I thought you should push to your weekend. But I'm, I'm starting to change my philosophy of that we want to square up that, that, that guy and, and, you know, play, 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 play defense, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. And I, I love, like, um, all the coaches that I have on, they all have their own unique styles, which I don't think there's any right or wrong way. Um, what I found out with the really good coaches is they do it their way consistently. And that's what it sounds like with you. You're really building a program. I love how you didn't, even though you gave up 100 points in one game, you were playing the your tempo. And I, I love how you didn't give up on that. Yeah, and and that the team. I think we got beat by by I think nineteen, but you know, in, in the year prior, I mean, we got beaten by that by school by by fifty. So we're we're, we're chopping yeah. wood. We're, we're trying to get better. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Now, what what do you do? You run what? What do you run defensively? Um, we're we're a matchup zone. We actually do a little bit of both. Um. I coach girls and um, we do a, um, it's a. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. What I call our sting defense is a 2-2-1 dropping back into a 2-1-2 half-court trap. So we literally are trapping the ball everywhere. Um, and then we'll mix it up with our man-to-man. Uh, so we're trying, and particularly at the girls' level and the level we play at, uh, there's not a lot of great ball handlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we feel like we can create a lot more havoc that way. Um, so we we kind of mix it up, but we really – we're just trying to – hey, we're trying to get that ball back as you know as quickly as possible. You know, one, one thing I've always been intrigued about with, with, with girls and having, you know, my own girls, my wife and my two daughters, is that, you know, with, with – with I would think with with coaching girls um if you have sets you know because girls are are so conscientious and and want to do things exactly the way the coach said to do it uh, it's probably a challenge of coaching girls by if if you are very systematic because you know they want to please you and want to do exactly what you asked of them um is that the case or um, I would think being letting girls be more free um, would be a better way of, of getting the best out of them. If, if that, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We, have, yeah, we have a lot of freedom in our offense. Uh, basically if you're open, you shoot it. Uh, but, <laughs> that, that, that's, um, that's what Paul Westhead did at uh, Loyola Marymount back in the day. Well, yeah, yeah but it's take, it's taken a while to develop that. Our players have gotten more skilled. Now, if I had, um, you know, kind of less skilled players, 
yeah, we would probably we would probably show more shot selection and more discipline on offense. But we built it up now where the kids because I feel like freedom's important. You mentioned a good word um, because you don't. I don't want my players thinking. I want my players reacting and just playing. Um, and there's it's basically a no mistake offense defense. You know, you know, and and one thing that that I've I've had to grow on is that, you know, is coaching every every action of the game. You know, because you you start thinking back to when I played, you know, how much did I really hear the coach? You know, during the, <laughs> d- d- during the game, and you know that, that that's one thing that uh, we as a staff is trying to get a lot better is is you know doing. I, I can remember being at Sweet Sixteen in like nineteen. 88 or 89 in Kentucky and, and me and my dad are, are walking through Rupp Arena and my dad sees Cotton Nash and I don't know if you know who Cotton Nash is but in the mid-60s uh, he was probably I mean he was kind of like the Jamal Mashburn of the 90s for Kentucky or you know sure. it, um, but he asked he he said uh, are you Cotton Nash and he said yes sir I am and he said man he said what was it like playing for Coach Rupp I bet he was um you know, just a, a, you know, crazy during the games on the reference. He said, you know what? He actually didn't say much of anything. He he did all of his coaching in practice. Now, best believe if we didn't play the way that he expected us to, it was going to be tough on, you know, in practice. But he did all of his coaching, you know, in practice. So when, when the games came, we knew exactly what to do because he had prepared us, you know, for – for everything we, we would see. And, you know, that, that kind of set in with me of, of, you know, kind of developing of, of what I wanted to be like as a, as a coach. That's a great point right there. And um, I just want to, I actually worked a year in Kentucky. I worked at a school in Morgan field, Kentucky called union County. Okay. So, um, so I, I think that's in the Western part of the state, correct? Yeah, that's right there. I guess in the trifecta, the little triangle right there of um, Indiana and uh, Illinois, and um, is, is, it's is, right is, out. In the- is James Lee and Fred Cowan um, from Union County? Uh, actually, yeah, and also um, I don't know exactly if they were, uh, but Dwayne Casey, yes, um, yes. played there, and um, it was. Uh, I tell you, it was the most fun. I've ever had. I had to come back to Georgia because I missed my family. I had the most fun. We were out in the middle of nowhere, and the gym held like six thousand people. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, so um, were, were you in Marshall County's region, or were you in Paducah Tillman's region? Um, we were in Henderson County. Okay, region. so okay, so I think that's the um, I think that's the second region. Actually, Henderson County beat us in the state playoffs, um, in in baseball my, my, my freshman year, but the, the, I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Marshall County, but I have I mean, matter of fact, we, we played in a tournament in Marshall County and that, that, well, that arena was unbelievable. And I said, man, I would love to work in a place like this. Uh, what a great, uh, what a great arena. What a great program they have over there, man. I mean, you're talking about 6,000, I, I, at least if I, I believe I'm right, I think it was almost 6,000 seats in that arena. And I mean, the, the, oh, guy, yeah. the guy, Howard Beth, was there when, when I was growing up as the girls coach there. And I mean, he was in, in, incredible. I mean, they, they, they pretty much dominated the state 
um, in girls basketball, but back then, and then they had a great, but I mean, I I guess what's so much different about California and Kentucky is, you know, in in Kentucky, that's pretty much all you have to do. I can mean, I remember growing up, I mean, we'd cruise around McDonald's and we'd play sports. I mean, that that was was (laughs) like, that was like our Friday night. We're here in California. I mean, I mean, for example, I mean, you'll, I live on fifth street, which is about, you know, five blocks from the ocean. And you'll see kids on skateboards with their, with their surfboard on bicycles with their surfboard. Or, I mean, there's so many things to do here that, you know, and and I think that's probably why we can't keep a professional team here also is just because, man, there's so many things to do and have fun in this area where, you know, sports isn't the end all be all where in a small town in Kentucky, you know, that's kind of all, you know, you, you have. I mean, growing up in in Logan County, I mean, the, the I, I was I was a little kid on that 84 state championship team and, you know, kept the books for the team. But I mean, but those guys in our area, I mean, were, were legends. I mean, and probably to the, to this day you know, still legends in their fifties if they come back to the gym and um, we're here. There's just so many things that you can do. Um, you know, it's, it's a little different if, 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 you know. It's part of the culture in Kentucky. And that's one thing I love because I love the game. If you love the game, that's a great place to work, man. But I mean, they, 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 I mean, they take it seriously. Um, you know the grandma in the, uh, on the corner. She knows everything about you, everything, uh, what offense and defense you run. So you can't fool around out there. Well, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think Cal says it best. He said, you know, he'll he'll do his, um, you know, be after a game, and then he'll do his like his his studio show the following day, and people will be calling in saying, you know, I've watched the tape three times. You know, I'm not really under. You know, I don't understand why we're using this dribble drive. And, and you're talking about like a 75 year old you know, lady calling into the show saying, <laughs> saying she's watched the tape three times and, and wants to understand what Cal's philosophy is on, you know, and it's just, it's just different. If you haven't ever uh, lived there, it's just a different, you know, atmosphere. And I mean, I can remember um, in 84 at, at the state tournament, I mean, when we played Henry Clay, who were the defending state champions in 83 um, in the qu- quarterfinals, I mean, there was 21,000 people at a high school basketball game. I mean, that is insane that, you know, it's a high school game. You're looking up in, in the Rupp Arena, and, and there's only about 3,000 seats that, that aren't filled um, to watch a bunch of high school kids. And, you know, that's one thing that's it's a little different here is that we, we have a really, really nice facility, which seats about 2,200, and, I mean – I mean, we're we're starting to get it get it going, but I mean, when I first got the job, they told me, "Hey, you can only use one side of the bleachers for games," and I'm like, "What?" Um, well, and there's no need, and you know, we'll just clean up that one side. And I'm like, "No, we we want to fill this place," and that, that that's one thing that that we have really really gotten after with with our community is, um, you know, we were able to raise, you know pretty good amount of money in our community for our basketball team so you know we were able to and branding is so important in my opinion um not not just in 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 coaching or in your school but but in the military branding your program and you know 
our communities kind of embraced us. So we were able to, you know, purchase, we didn't have practice jerseys. Our, our uniforms were over six years old and, and, um, you know, basketball. So, um, I mean, embracing the community and our, you know, our next step is, is we're attempting to, to start a, um, like when we have home games, um, get one of the local eating establishments to sponsor us, you know, f- for a pregame meal. And I think we're well on our way. I've gotten a few, um, you know, restaurants to agree to it. Um, and, and, you know, we're a little small community of, of I think about 13,000. And I mean, the only reason we aren't considered San Diego, I, I, I'm not really sure because on 14th, if you go, IB goes from first street to 14th street. Once you pass 14th street, you're in South San Diego. And if you go, the other direction on the Silver Strand, you would be in in Coronado. So, I mean, this little small town has, you know, uh, you know, it's a beach culture. But but to to get people to embrace, you know, what we're doing with our kids and and, and in basketball has been really cool to to see and to see the outpouring of love from our community. You know, not just saying, hey, yeah, we'll come to the game, but we'll actually, you know, support you by giving you something monetarily. Um, to, to, to help out your program. Yeah, you're right. Branding so important. You got to get after it these days. Um, uh, we're, for, we're fortunate here. We have a good foundation that supports us, but uh, we're always having our kids get out in the community and so forth and represent. But it's also, isn't it true though, Scott? Mike, I feel like I think my team, uh, when somebody comes watches my team, that it, you have to represent because I think people are not always looking on how you play. It's how you act. Are your kids picking up other players? Are they handing the ball to the referee? Are they playing with class? To me, that's a great branding selling point. You know, you know, you, you, I'm, I'm not a, a Duke, Duke fan. I guess growing up in Kentucky, but <laughs> you, but but you can see the the culture in the program. I mean, you know of of you know, when they want to stop, you'll see all five guys slapping the floor or, um, you know, and, you know, one, one thing that, that, uh, I mean, I, I'm blessed to have an amazing staff and one of our staff members, uh, C- coach Chaney, um, in high school basketball. Now, if you watch YouTube, I mean, it, it's such a, um, I don't mean to, 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 to definitely not, but it, it's kind of like, what about me? And, and you know, a guy makes a shot. He looks at the crowd. I mean, he wants everybody to know that he made a shot. And, and you know, instead of just pointing at the guy who made the good pass to you or, you know, of, of if somebody go, goes down, dies for a loose ball, four guys sprinting over to, to that guy and helping him up. Or, or you know, we do prior to the game, um, you know, our, our, our guys, no matter what, but before we tip the ball, you know, that they walk over not just to um, shake the guy's players on the court's hand, but they go over and shake um, the head coach's hands, the assistant coach's hands, because we, we want to, to represent of our program, you know, the, the way we'd like to see it. And, and you know, I, I'm, I really appreciate that question because, you know, what we started on Mondays is we do um, what's called like, like our leadership lab. So on on, on Monday mornings, we get, uh, I'm sorry, Monday afternoon, when we get out of school, we have a different, you know, you know, focus. So, for example, last year, our, our kind of curriculum was um, one thing that really, really brought in trust is we did, I don't know if you've ever heard of the three H's, 
where you know you're, you're kind of on on the hot seat and you express to you know who's your hero what's your hardship and what's your highlight of your life and okay and, and there wasn't a, a dry eye in the room and and you see those barriers you know being being broken down by by somebody sharing you know what their mom or dad or or a coach or a teacher meant to them and and you know certain hardships they've been through um in a life i mean one thing about our community here is you know you think beachtown you think of rich communities well we we're not we're we're the most southwest south um western beach town in in california i mean there's the only place you can go past us is mexico um so it it it's a you know kind of a you know blue collar type community if if, if um and them sharing the things they've been through and, and, and to hear their, their highlight was just being part of a team and, and being part of something bigger than themselves. And then, you know, we went into like the disease of me. I mean, we, we, you know, it's hard to get a kid to read a whole book, but you can get them to read a chapter and, you know, Pat Roddy's winner within that part of the disease of me. And then we went to like the seven habits of highly successful people and, and, I don't know if you've seen the Monty Williams speech where he talks about, you know, at, at the, at the, you know, funeral of his wife and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, the Admiral McRaven, you know, speech at Texas where he talks about make your bed and, you know, just, just those small things doing those very, very small things add up, you know, to big things. And one thing we're going to add this year, is that is a commitment card, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of De La Salle. It's a football program up north. I mean, you yes. said you grew up in San San Jose. I, there, yes, sir. Yeah, know, very familiar. Yes, sir. Um, coach, coach, I think it's Duche or whatever. I mean, he's retired, but um, I, I was visiting with 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 Mike Haupt at at St. Augustine's, and you know, we were just talking about different, you know, philosophies in our programs and and things that they do and we do. And he brought up the, the point of the commitment card where, um, you know, th- they make a commitment to one of their teammates of certain things they're going to do. And then at the end of the week, you know, they talk about that commitment. And if somebody didn't do that, that, that then, you know, they, they, they call them out in re- reference to it. And then we take about 10 minutes before each practice to and and probably now this is not breaking news or anything but but we have we send out a thought of the day every day and then we, we try to relate that that thought to to practice if that makes sense and spend some time and then at the end of each practice um we we do what's called you we me which um we we sing out a player they, they don't know who it's going to be but their responsibility is when they're called upon it in the practice is to find somebody on the team that stood out to them and how that made them feel and, and motivate them. So that that's the you. And then the second thing that they, they speak on is the we, which is from a team concept. What did we do well or what did we not do well? And then the me, which is, is, is strategically the last thing. Um, and it's just a mindset of, 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 in the military, we call it information operations where you're just, you're constantly trying to, um, ha- have a a specific thing you're targeting that that you want your 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 people to believe in. So, for example, um, when I served in 82nd Airborne Division, you know, when you saw 
an, a person senior to yourself, you would give them the greeting of the day of airborne. And that person would respond, you know, with all the way. And, and that mindset of, of being part of something special and unique and, and that all the way mindset that, that, you know, I'm not willing to just go some of the way, um, you know, I'm in this to, to do whatever, you know, my country's asked of me. What's it's a, to me, it's that same way of, of hitting those, those high points every day of, of, you know, th- those same slogans or sayings and, and they may, you know, sound generic or whatnot, but if, if the leader is, is authentic, you know, the, the, the players or, or the soldiers for that matter will embrace that idea of, you know, um, we, we used our concept this past year was, was all in. And, you know, w- we used that because we, we wanted to build the culture of, of it, it's not just the head coach. It's not just the assistants, you know, it's the players, it's the managers, it's the community, it's our administration, you know, it's, it's how we treat people on campus. I mean, we want to represent what a mariner is about and you know you, you can't just be one foot in one foot out and i mean even with academics i mean um i know a lot of programs probably do different things but so on mondays we do leadership on um tuesdays and thursdays and saturdays we do our our strength and conditioning um but on wednesdays and and fridays in the preseason we we do you know academics so you know, we make it mandatory from for study hall, and I'm not smart enough to answer their questions. I'm an ROTC teacher, not a math teacher. But you just, you know, a kid knowing that that you're in there in study hall with three coaches watching them, you know, at least they'll get their homework down. And we were blessed. Our, our GPA went from, um, you know, I did a little research on. It. We went from like a 2.3 the year prior to having like a 3.6 GPA uh, this year. I mean. And 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 that's you know players holding other players accountable. Um, you know, I was I was sharing with our kids on a Zoom call the other day. I had, had a college coach, you know, contact me about one of our kids, and his first question was, you know, does he have a three point five GPA? And you know, that's that's you know one thing I talked to our kids about on that Zoom call was, and I didn't tell you know who the coach was or what player it was specifically, but you know that was the first question that division one coach asked me was what kind of grades that kids, that kid makes. And I think when you can show people tangible, you know, things, they're more willing to buy in. Yeah. And I appreciate the transparency. I I was writing a lot of things down. I love that. Um, Hey, tell me your three H's again, hardship highlight and hero. So, um, So what what we attempt to do is the very first thing we want them to do is, is talk about their hero and 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 that please don't think that I've created anything. I, mean, I think any good entrepreneur just steals good ideas from other people and you know try, <laughs> exactly and, and yeah. tries and tries to make it better. But, but by them talking about their hero first, it kind of lets their guard down because you know they're 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 talking about that person that made made the biggest difference you know, in their life. And, and, you know, it's almost, it's kind of, kind of sad when I did it, um, at Morris, um, you know, it's, it's, it's moms. I mean, it's, it's moms that are, that are, um, and, but, it, but it kind of lets their guard down when they talk about their heroes. So when they get to their, their hardship, you know, they're really transparent on what they've been through. And then for me, 
um, it helped me to, you know, these coaches say, I treat everybody exactly the same. They're so full of crap. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, call people out, but I mean, to reach somebody, you have to actually know, you know, how to reach them. And, you know, if, if it's a kid that's really, really, um, has a pretty big ego, maybe it's a different way you reach them. If it's a kid that's, you know, um, a, a real humble kid, maybe a different way where you have to reach them, but being able to hear them share, you know, their hardship, you know, kind of gives you an insight into, man, I, I really need to approach this kid in a different way. And maybe I need to be his biggest cheerleader instead of, you know, raising cane with him. Um, and then, you know, that, 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 that hearing about the heroes also led me to, I mean, we, this year I've, I've been able to hire a, a, um, a, a new assistant coach who she played college ball and just has an enormous personality. And it's so exciting to have a former head coach to now be a part of the, the, the program. But, uh, you know, hearing them talk about their heroes um, made me think, man, why don't I have a female on the staff? And, and it wasn't specifically I was out looking for a female, but if that person, you know, um, was interested then why shouldn't I be open to it? I mean, um, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, cause that's rare these days that that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast right there on why we don't have more females on, uh, coaching boys. Um, and cause we have a lot of males coaching girls, that's a really interesting dynamic, probably for another podcast, right, Coach? <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, but hearing those kids say who their hero was, and I, I bet it was almost ninety percent said their mom. You know, got yeah. thinking. Well, well, I mean, you know, c- coaching is it's almost like parenting. I mean, and and then you know, to to kind of to go back to, you know, I think that the the most important thing that that I did early on was. I was really, really patient in selecting um, our, our staff, and right. and and I I try not to ever use the word my because, um, you know, I'm just a placeholder there because somebody's going to replace me, and, and you know, and and it's it's a it's a it's a we concept, and and you know, I, I'm very strong in my faith, and and you know, here in California, it's not like Kentucky. I mean, if I put out an ad in Kentucky for somebody being interested in being an assistant coach, man, you'd have 20 people, you know, <laughs> emailing you and texting you within two days where here, I mean, because the cost of living, I mean, people have two jobs and, and, you know, are, are just the, the hustle and bustle out here. It, it took me a while. And man, you know, at where I teach at through the FCA program, the, the, the gentleman who runs it, at, at my high school introduced me to a gentleman, you know, here in this local area who just, um, I mean, Alton Coulter is, is, you know, one of the, the most humble. I mean, he is a, a, and you talk about servant leadership. I mean, that guy works from, from 11 till seven in the morning. If we're doing basketball camp starting at eight o'clock, I mean, he goes straight from work, straight to practice. I mean, if, if the freshmen were playing on a Saturday and he was getting off work at seven and they were playing at, at 10, I mean, he goes straight from the gym straight to, you know, and, and he's, he's a JD coach and a varsity assistant to, to have somebody who has that willing of a heart. And then, and then I was blessed to, to, um, to, 
to church to meet Coach Chaney, who, who, you know, he was so scared. He said, Coach, man, I haven't coached basketball in my life. Um, I mean, he did play Division One ball in the 70s, but he said, man, I, don't, I have no idea. You know, I don't know if I'll be good at it. And my point to both those guys was uh, – and, and Coach Coulter had, had experience as coaching, but, I mean, we first and foremost want to have men of, of character or women of character. And and somebody who's authentic and, and caring, you know, we can get to the basketball stuff, you know, but first and foremost, you know, we need somebody who, who has these kids very, very best interests. And, you know, I've been so blessed in my military career. I can remember, you know, as a, as a drill sergeant working from four in the morning till nine o'clock at night and nobody would want to go home, not because they didn't love their family, but because we had created such a family atmosphere amongst, you know, our colleagues and the camaraderie that was there. And we're starting to create that same thing that, that, you know, nobody wants to leave the gym and, you know, people want to work and work and spend more time. Um, so that has been, um, I mean, you kind of asked me what was kind of the, the important things of, of starting our program. I honestly think that was the, the biggest thing. And, you know, people that have empathy and compassion and, 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 truly truly care about about the kid um you know you you win their hearts way before you win their minds yeah so true um good people and loyalty right i mean um and that that's so true and it's i hate to say this maybe it's it's harder to find than what people think um but there are always people out there i think certain people like yourself have a knack. You've been in the military. You have a knack of probably finding the ingredients for for uh, key people to to kind of be within your family, right? I think certain people have that, and certain people don't. I mean, I, I think I think you're you're right. I don't know specifically if I have it, but I I do know that in leadership, you want to get the best out of everybody, and you know when you have 36 kids in your program, which is what we had last year. You know, not everybody's going to be a star, but there's, there's not a reason why you can't treat everybody with the same dignity and respect and, and love on them and check on them. I mean, um, I mean, for, you know, we, we break our, you know, we, we, we check on them weekly, but, but it's not just me doing it. I mean, you know, Coach AC has a, has a group of kids that he checks on, and Coach Chip, you know, has a group of kids he's checked on. And now that we have Coach Lemon on staff, you know, she, she, she's doing it, even though she haven't met the kids in person. Um, you know, it, it's 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 here here in California, we have such a different dynamic than I would say probably in Georgia or in 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 Kentucky or or Tennessee, based on the fact that the cost of living is so high out here that you know parents are working you know at a minimum i mean they're very blessed if i mean definitely if it's two parents in the household they're both working but most parents are working two and three jobs so yeah i mean you be able to bridge that gap and be able to help with with you know i mean my principal says it all the time it takes a village to to raise a child and and she is so right about that and um that's what we have really, really been, been, been blessed about. I mean, you know, is, is, is building that. 
and and in in today's culture, I mean, you got kids in eighth grade um, sending out on Twitter what high school they'll be attending. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. So you know, recruiting your own kids, kids that are in your neighborhood, and 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 making them not want to go to another school. You know, them wanting to to wear you know green and gold, and them wanting to be a part of the the culture we have here. I mean, I, I, those are things that that I didn't take into account for you know, when I left the military and got into teaching and, and started back coaching. But, I mean, and I, I don't know if, if you, on, on the um, on the girls' side, do you see it as much as on the boys' side? But, like, here in, in, in San Diego, I mean, they, they, you have some of the best players in the city transferring every year to a different school. We do. yeah, Yes, sir, we do. We um, The transfer, I, I think it, and it's particularly in the Atlanta schools, uh, kids are transferring all the time. If they don't like that situation. Um, now, do I agree m- with the transfer rule? If you're a junior or senior and you're going just, you know, to a better program, I think you have every right to do that. But I think the transfer rate is extremely high. And I, I'm not a big fan of it. But if a kid's in a difficult spot, the parents do have that right. Uh, but out here in Georgia, they have to move. They have to change address, and we know how abusive that is. I mean, they just, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of abuse of the rules and so forth. Um, so, what what that says, right, coach, is you better do a great job within your program. Well, and and it's not just with the players. I mean, you know, with with parents. I mean, I, I I've heard you know people say I'm old school. I don't I don't um, you know, I'm not listening to these parents. Is is well, if you don't listen to them. I mean, your boss is going to listen to them. The AD is going to listen to them. Yeah. And if they don't, you know, so so if you don't open that dialogue with them and and be honest and and upfront about what your expectations are with the program and and I mean, I don't know if we we have. I mean, I'm a military background guy, so we use in the military what's called an SOP, which is kind of like our standard operating procedure. So, f- for example, there's a you know, this is how our unit will do this, 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 and this. And everything is basically laid out into how you'll do things. So we created that same thing for our program. And, you know, we give it to the parents. They they sign it because we want them to know exactly in in all, pretty much in all situations, how we're going to handle it. Um, You know, and then one thing that we also did is is we have a, a leadership council. And I don't know if most programs do. But my feeling is when I was a young soldier is that if I thought I was part of the process, I'm more willing to buy into it um, if I feel like my voice has some kind of, you know, um, impact. So before we do any kind of disciplinary action, um, we have a kid from each um level so we have a freshman kid a sophomore kid a junior kid and a senior kid which is part of the leadership council and they aren't are they don't have to be a 4.0 student they don't have to be a you know but they do have to have the 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 attributes that we want a leader in our program so for example if we had a kid you know miss a practice or or something of that nature you know, the first thing that, that, that we'll do before we take any actions is we meet with the leadership council. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll come up with a tougher um, 
punishment, then we will. (laughs) And we got to kind of back them down on, well, you know, but what what it did for us, though, was is that it. um, it, Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, He's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. In my opinion, it made the the kids feel empowered and and part of the process. Now, I know some people may disagree with that, but – um, that that was always my view in the military, and that, that's why we created our, our leadership council within our, our our program. I love the leadership council. Matter of fact, we have that here too, Coach. Um, I found that um, to be extremely valuable. Now, um, uh, we've had our leadership council make some really tough decisions or have input into decisions. Of course, I make the final decision. But I'm telling you, it has really added a lot to our program, and it's helped them become leaders as well. Coach, talk about finish out here with what do you do for practices? Because I think the best coaches are the best teachers, and you cannot just put a team on the court. you got to develop players. So what do you do in your practices? Well, you know, Man, I'm I'm a like a avid podcast listener. I probably listen to when I walk, you know, one or two a day. So I, you know, I hear a lot of different philosophies. Um, we we start off at the start of the year um, in specific practice. We probably do about an hour and forty five minutes um, at the start of the year. And the reason why I hear coaches say they do two two and a half hours, I'm not sure how they. I mean, me being a ROTC teacher. I'm not sure how they're keeping the attention span of people in two and a half hours. Just, right. just my own opinion. Right. And then also, if we were keeping them that long, we have a freshman program which practices, um, and then we have a JV varsity program which practices, to, you know, together. So if we were keeping them that long, it'd be seven or eight o'clock at night before they're going home. Sure. And and, and based on our view as a program, first and foremost, that their most important thing they're doing is their their schoolwork. So we don't want to keep them out, you know, past 6, 6.15 on any night. I mean, I think they need to have dinner with their family. They need to have time to, you know, study. Um, so that, that that's first. And then we, we kind of layer it down. So um, preseason, now on Saturdays, we'll go two hours. But during the week, we're about an hour and 45 minutes starting off. And then we gradually, you know, that, that goes down. So it may go down to an hour and a half or by the end of the year, we're, we're doing maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, we start off each, each uh, practice with, um, you know, dynamic stretching where, where we, we last year, I was blessed enough to find a strength and conditioning guy who also was a graduate assistant at uh, university of San Diego. So he was doing cutting edge stuff with our kids until, you know, he, he got, um, that that scholarship to be be a grad assistant there, but 
so he we, we we do we start off with dynamic dynamic stretching um which i think is extremely important i mean we, we had very very little injuries and i think that you know was because of our strength and conditioning program and then, but then our first probably 20 minutes of our practice i mean first specifically we do no matter what is we do two ball ball handling and I didn't do that growing up. I don't know why I didn't do it. I mean, I was a point guard, but man, our, our kids, you know, skill level and just handling the basketball improved so dramatically. And, you know, just looking off of, of, I mean, we played at a lot faster pace this year. I think we averaged about 67 points a game in the year prior. Um, before we got there, we averaged about 40 points a game. But then you look at the turnover rates, and, and my data is from Max Prep, so I can't say it was exactly right. But I mean, we only averaged about 12 or 13 turnovers a game this year, where in years past, we were averaging you know, up, upwards of 20 turnovers a game. Sure. And I, I think that just kids get really, really the, the, the ball feeling like almost part of their hand um, and learning to really, really so, – so we spend a lot of time on ball handling. That's the start of every single practice. Um, we go from from ball handling um, to form shooting, um, which you know we we want to just start off you know close to the basket. We move out, and then we move to what we call three man shooting, which is with two basketballs, mm-hmm. and w- we want them to have you know with an intensity. We we want them to to be sweating, and and during this time, which is me me growing up, I would never would have thought that, but man, we turn to the uh, we have a pretty good sound system in our gym man we try to have good time i mean i i i think what pete carroll does at seattle of of and what he did at usc of of you know injecting you know um you know attitude is contagious so we we, um we turn up the you know the the speaker system and we got it booming in there and and we're expecting them to to work and sprint the spots and 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 work on game game shots um once we finish with 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 shooting um that's the time we meet at middle court um we talk specifically about you know our our thought of the day and and where our focus is in practice and then we give out our our practice plan i mean we i'll send it out in the morning you know just in a text so they'll know what we're doing that day and what, what, what we're focusing on and um, and then, you know, we, we do probably what every, every team in the country does. Well, I mean, we do zigzag and try to work on it extremely hard. I mean, one thing that we do with zigzag though, is especially in the early season is that we walk with a group. So, um, you know, we really, really want them to get after of, of moving their feet, not playing with their hands. Um, and, and, and then, you know, one thing that, that after listening to Coach Neighbors, you know, podcast, I was like, for God's sakes, you know, why am I not spending enough time on transition defense? So we'll, we'll have a, a focus that day, be it uh, transition defense or you know, what we're working offensively. Um, um, and, and then be, because of the style of play that, that we want to play with, um, we're going to work on, on, on getting up and down the court um, one thing that, that, that we don't do that probably a lot of teams do is we don't do any running. Like I don't just say go out and run. Um, but in practice, I expect them in every single drill we're doing 
is they're sprinting to the next drill. And, you know, and, and in that point, it's very, very easy from, from a background of being a drill sergeant or being a command sergeant major is that, you know, if you put your expectations something on, on, on something and, and you make them adhere to it with immediate response. And, you know, for example, I can remember um, being, being a drill sergeant. You say, hey, I, I need a volunteer. Well, you know, kids are taught, man, I'm not volunteering for nothing. The drill sergeant asked me to do. So um, if, if, say, for example, only one or two hands came up, you say, you know what? Let's try this again. All six of you got five seconds to be in front of me. Go. And, and you're, you're, you're holding them accountable to all the small things um, that, that you're asking them to do. So I, I don't know if that, that specifically, I mean, what we do, um, um, we shoot a lot, of, a lot of free throws. I mean, I mean, I think we were almost at 70%, which is, which is our goal on, on, the, on the high school level. Um, we, we do um, during game days, we have a shoot around no matter what. We're blessed to have two gyms. So, and, and we're very routine oriented. So, um, and then for, for practice, and I'm not, please don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news, but we use the clock to our advantage. So, um, every drill we have, we have a manager running the clock. Um, so, if we're doing, um, if we think dynamic stretching needs to last for, for eight minutes, then we'll put eight minutes on the clock. And when that's off, we're going to the next. Um, all our managers have have copies of the you know practice schedule, so they're that they're they're doing their part. Um, we we haven't got to the point where we're able to chart yet. We we are we're trying to create a plus minus system to where we're charting in, in practice, but we're we're not there yet. Um, I, hopefully, I answered your question. Oh and, no doubt, kind of how, how we organize it. Hey, hey, I love that. I love how you're sharing. I I never stop coaches because. Um, there's so much information that, Hey, a coach, a coach is going to go, Hey man, I really love that point of what Scott was saying, pay, pick out one drill and so forth. I think the ultimate question I always ask coaches is, is how much drill work do you do and how much game like scrimmages to me, I'm actually doing a study on it to find out what ultimately is the best. Cause I don't think, I don't think any coach really knows. Uh, I, well, think they, I think they have an idea, but what do you believe in there? How much drill, how much game-like activities? Well, well you, you know, it's funny you ask that question um, because looking at fitness, right? I mean, for years in fitness, you, you put, say, um, you know, you, how much somebody could bench press one time or, you know, how much you could squat one time, where now fitness is changing and even in the military, we used to do push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run. Well, I'm not sure that helps you carrying a 100-pound rucksack, you know, in the desert of, of Iraq. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, functional fitness is now, you know, it's really, really catching on when you see, you know, all these gyms that are everything is focused on. So I, I think the same thing applies to basketball. We play. I mean, we play five-on-five. Five, um, we play three-on-three. Three. Um, I mean – there, there's, I mean, I can remember growing up, and don't get me wrong, my dad was an incredible basketball coach. I mean, he, I mean, his, the way he, he reached kids was, was what was so special about him. But 
you know, you we used to do three man weave. We we do, I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. just 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 things that weren't specifically sure. functional uh, to the game. So everything that we do, we we wanted to have a a focus area on what we want to do as a program. So if if our you know, and we spent a lot of time in practice planning. I mean, so everything that we're doing in practice, we wanted to equate not just to the game, but to our style of the game. So. Um, when we're doing transition defense, you know, um, so what, what we do in our transition defense drill, and, and like I said, I mean, any entrepreneur just steals good ideas. I, I stole it from Mike Neighbors, where um, I think it was Mike Neighbors. It may have been Tommy Izzo, but um, we put 10, guy, 10 <laughs> guys in a straight line. Both great, man. We put 10 guys in a straight line, and, you know, we got our practice jerseys on, so they're every other person. And and we use basically the tip drill off the off the backboard, and then we blow the whistle. Well, whatever team gets the 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 rebound is now the offensive team. Gotcha. Where where that other team and and it's and because they're they're constantly you know it's like game like reaction. Where that you know, so we want that offensive team. We we run. I don't know if you you're familiar with most people kind of run the Carolina break because they're famous for, but we run. Uh, Izzo's break because we want to get the ball up the sideline um, as fast as we can with, with, you know, uh, either one of our combo guards going sideline to the ball side and them looking up the floor with their butt to the sideline. And then we want our fly fly right and fly left to just be flying. Sure. And and, and we want to push it. um, So we're we're not just working on transition defense. We're working on our, you know, our, our break. And then, defensively i mean we want our guys to you know to sprint you know to the lane and then you know create a wall and then find you know and whoever that 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 first guy back is is basically the quarterback or the middle linebacker you know communicating and and that's one of the real challenges that 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 i have at 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 where i coach is that we have such good uh sweet kids that getting them to communicate on the floor is one um thing that we haven't broke the code on yet uh, i mean we're working on it but um we want everything to be related to how we play sure so and, and from the moment practice starts until we finish um we want and, and every coach says this so please don't um but we want them given maximum effort um and and we share with them you know we're not outrunning you but but Please believe if if you're not going to put maximum effort, we absolutely can go outside to the track. But as long as you're in this gym and w- with the way our philosophy is, we want you to um, – so everything, in, in, our, in, in my opinion, is needs to be functional to what our philosophy is um, and, and how we play. And to, to include, when we're running um, – I mean, we run um, – like Gonzaga's pick and roll continuity is, is what we run offensively, which you're able to get your, you know, your, your best offensive players, you know, pretty much into a, a triangle and, and running to pick and roll and letting them be, well, I mean, when we run half court stuff, I mean, defensively, I mean, we're working on how we blitz picks, um, how the guy rotates over, but offensively we're working on our offense when we're doing, you know, two on two, three on three, um, if, if that makes sense. So everything that we attempt to do 
needs to correlate to what we're doing um, in, in game situations. Yeah, I love that term functional. I, I totally agree with that. I think, um, uh, but you got to do, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches who, hey, man, we're, uh, I spoke to a coach the other day, say, hey, hey, we don't scrimmage until the end of practice. And this guy is like a, you know, he's a, he's a great coach. So I don't think there's any right or wrong, but I do believe that the, the, uh, every drill should be as game-like as possible based on your system. And I love what you were saying right there. Coach, before you go, give me your best thing you do in practice. So a coach that, hey, man, I, I, I'm going to take that drill from, from Coach Reed. What is the best drill or activity you do in practice? You, you know, um, I was blessed to have my mom and dad come out and, and visit um, during the season. And we were, for, for conditioning, we would do – um, you had to make it's a it's a cow drill that that he runs at Kentucky, and I, um, I think he calls it the perfect drill, where basically you have uh, four lines where they're just constantly running, making layups. If that makes sense, so that so they never stop. Basically, so there's four coaches. I mean, at each elbow, so you're passing, you're hitting it back. But when he came down to visit, um, he said, "Do you remember that drill, eleven man gut buster?" And I said, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been trying to remember exactly how we did that drill. And, man, he got out on the court. I mean, 71 years old <laughs> with, his bad, with, with his bad knee and, and, um, and broke it down. And, man, the kids had so much. So it's basically, you know, three-on-two, two-on-one two drill. Eleven people are part of the drill. Um, you have – so it starts off three-on-two. Um, and with us playing up-tempo, I mean, I think about 50% of our offense is, is in transition, not in the half court. So we start it's, – it's, you have, you know, a, a, the, a, a guard in the middle with two wings, and then you have two guys on defense and a three-on-two. Well, whoever gets the rebound is now the offensive player. And you have two wings that are waiting on the outside. So you basically have two wings um, – basically at the hash mark on both sides of the floor. So whoever gets that rebound or, you know, it's kind of of a toughness outlets to one of those guys. And then now it's three on two going the other direction. And um, on that end, whoever gets the rebound, those five kids is outletting to those two wings. And so the drill just is, it's the, the tempo of it, the, the toughness of it, the, um, you know, diving on floor, who, who's tougher? Who's going to come up with that rebound? Um, I, for conditioning and for, you know, I mean, you're working on jump stops. You're working on, on, you know, so many things in that drill. But the kids just love it. I mean, you know, if, if it's not on the practice schedule, you know, they're like, hey, coach, can we do the, you know, 11-man gut buster? And I don't know if you've ever heard of that drill, but, I mean, our, our kids – um, and man, thank God that my, my dad had the, um, you know, the intestinal fortitude to say, you, you know, to, to say, have y'all done that? And, and when he said, that, I, you know, when we were at home, I said, you know, we haven't, cause I don't remember exactly how to do it. And so I put him on the spot and said, can you help us out? So, uh, that, that was pretty cool. And it was pretty cool. Him, him, you know, actually being able to get back on the court and, you know, and being around kids. So. Yeah, no uh, doubt. I, yeah, make I, sure I, you. I, I, yeah, I hope I did a decent job of 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 
painting a picture. I don't think I did, but so maybe I can, I can draw it out and, and, and text it to you or something. Yeah. Send it to me, Scott. I really appreciate it. Um, Cause any drill that is like, it sounds like you guys really believe in that the kids enjoy it. Um, hey, your dad, hey, if your dad gave it to you, it's got to have some credibility, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But um, that's really cool that you have your dad uh, and your mom. Your mom's still alive, right? Your dad and mom? Yeah, yeah, she, she, she's the boss. So, All right. You know, we, we, um, but, yeah, we, we're, we're very bad. I, I was surprised that, um, you know, he doesn't – he lives on Friendship Road and uh, he don't leave out of friendship very often is, is his saying. So for him to fly out here to California after having, you know, b- both knee, knee surgery on both knees, him sitting in a plane, it, it was huge. And he's already, he'll call about once a month saying, Hey, I saw tickets are, you know, $79. Is your schedule finalized yet? You know, we want to come out again. <laughs> um, I, I, 79. I, I got to talk to him. 79 bucks. Wow. Yeah, he, he 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 you know he searches it every day. I mean, um, yeah. So uh, and I guess with the pandemic, he he's found some really really good rates. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was one seventy nine. That's not bad. But <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's really cool to be able to to, to to talk to him. Now he don't give any advice on. I mean, if you ask him something, he'll say, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, it, you really really have to. Um, you know, pride out of him for him to give his opinion, but, uh, it's really cool to have. And then my little brother, uh, you know, coached for years. Now he's got small kids, so he's taking a, a sabbatical, but, um, having him be able to go on huddle and, and, and give me feedback and, and self scout us, you know, it, it, it's really cool the way that the internet allows you to flatten, you know, that, that you, uh, we almost have staff members in, in Kentucky, even though that we're playing in California. Oh, Huddle, yeah. Huddle's great, Coach. It's one of the best resources out there, man. If you don't have Huddle, um, I, I'm sorry for it because uh, there's so many advantages to having it, particularly with sharing and learning from other coaches. Hey, Coach, tell me about, just really quick before you go, hey, what's the best resource that you use to make yourself a better coach? You know – um, man, that's a that's a good question. I, honestly, I, I I some of the podcasts. That, I mean, um, the the guy coach, um, ah, my lord, what is his name? Um, he's from Wisconsin. He runs Basketball Unplugged, and he's a great resource. Um, Chip Clark and um, I can't think of the other gentleman. Um, they run that Leadership Basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the the gentleman from Canada. Um, I think his last name may be Vernon. Chris Oliver. Chris okay. Oliver. I mean, yeah. he gets so deep. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, I am such a dummy. I mean, I, I should you – know, <laughs> I mean, because they'll be using terms on there, and I'm like, man, what is he talking about? And then I have to – but the ability to, to be able to listen to it and then go back and research it to say, oh, well, you know, he's using a $10 word for something that's, you know, pretty elementary, but the, the terminology and, and – um you know, just constantly trying to get better. I mean, you know, we, we preach to our kids, you know, work on your game, make sure you're getting up, you know, um, 300 shots a day, make, make sure you're doing your leg workout. Um, but, but if, if we're asking them to do that, I mean, heck, we should be doing the same and trying to get better on, on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, iron sharpens iron. So, 
um, I mean, we, we, we spent a lot of time, um, like we're getting ready to start a series with our coaches cause we can't, um, you know, work with our kids right now of, of coming up with, with, you know, making sure that our terminology across the program is exactly the same and, and that, you know, how, how do we attack a timeout? I mean, wh- what are we doing? You know, what is overcoaching? I mean, so it's just me and, and, and my colleagues, you know, just working very diligently to, to sharpen our, our, our tools so that we're, when we are able to get back in the gym, um, we've improved just as much as our kids have improved. Because they, they, deserve, they deserve that. I mean, you know, a, a kid wants to, to believe in that, that their leader, you know, has, has enormous amount of passion for, for what they're doing. I totally agree. And, Coach, I really enjoyed um, listening to how you're building your program. I learned so much. I appreciate you uh, being so insightful and allow, allowing us inside your program. So I really appreciate that. Hey, I also want to mention that um, I got a great practice planner live software that I'm, I'm part of the company now, and I'm going to send you a free trial. And I'd love to have you check it out. Give me some feedback. It's a great software program for all coaches, and I think you would love it. Um, I'll send that to you and so forth. I think you would really like it. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate you joining me, Coach. Coach, if I can say one thing before I go, God, God bless you. And, man, I, it is truly awesome what you're doing for coaches. I mean, I don't know if you know the impact you're having by um, growing the game. It's 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 pretty awesome. And, and please know there are people out there listening. I mean, I know probably doing a podcast, you're like, is anybody listening to this? But, um, <laughs> sure. man, um, you're definitely making a difference, and you're, you're helping coaches throughout the country. So thank you for what you do, and thank you for what you do for your program. Hey coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Coaches, thank you for listening to our podcast with Coach Scott Reed. Koch is such an up-and-coming, great coach. He's doing such a – he's having such a big impact on the kids and the community out there, which is a sign of a great coach in uh, my very humble opinion. And I really enjoyed picking his brain on some of the things he's doing leadership-wise, some of uh, his system of play, uh, but more is what he's doing off the court, kind of build – a program that's part of the community. So I really want to thank Scott for um, sharing with us today. Uh, If you want the best practice software on the market, go to practiceplannerlive.com and you will see this is an unbelievable product. Uh, It'll make you more efficient and more organized 
Uh, it's everything at your fingertips. So coaches, I know I, I put a lot of time into my practice planning. This is going to save me quite a bit of time during the season. Uh, also, uh, put in the code CHAMPVISION1 to get your special offer. That's CHAMPVISION1 at practiceplannerlive.com. Also, go to my website, championshipvision.org, to get the best coaching resources. Coaches, thank you again for being part of the Championship Vision podcast family. I'm looking forward to getting our next interview coming up very soon. I think you're going to really like them. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thank you.